This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception the Show. All right, Matt, we got a great show lined up here in front of us today. Uh, Man, week four, Matt. I thought. You had to put up a big number in fantasy football to win this week because, man, the stars, they played like stars yesterday, and we got some really surprising performances as well. Yeah, a lot of blowouts across the NFL, too. uh, At least late. In the late window, there were certainly a lot, yeah. Yeah, but even in the early window, I mean, like the Bucks twenty six yeah, over the twenty six nine over the Saints, the Titans twenty seven to three over the Bengals, what? the what Ravens twenty eight to three over the Browns. So it really, <laughs> it really wasn't just in the late window either. Obviously, yeah. I mean, the Texans thirty to six over the Steelers. Like there were a I, lot of just crazy, crazy, crazy non competitive games, but in like in the best way possible. Yeah, especially if you're thinking from fantasy, like. It wasn't like, oh, one team really screwed up a ton. It was just yeah. one team put it, put it, put it on the other. Um, and, and it definitely made for some one-sided affairs because it's not even as if like, really, I'm thinking like the Steelers didn't put up anything in garbage time, right? Like the Patriots, right. they benched their damn quarterback. They didn't put up anything in garbage time. Not that anyone cares right. about the Patriots offense, especially for <laughs> fantasy, but um uh, like the the Raiders yeah. and Cardinals kind of gave it back a little bit from like a garbage like a stats perspective. I mean the Raiders made it interesting. The Chargers all tra- they tried to charge you that thing at the end. Uh, they, they really did. Oh my god, they really tried to charge you that thing up, man. Uh, but certainly we're going to be talking about the Chargers offense now with uh, with Justin Herbert breaking a, a finger in his non-throwing hand. Uh, how might that impact the offense? Uh, I want to start the show though, Matt, because uh, with uh, the Monday night or excuse me, the Sunday night affair where we saw, uh, quite frankly, uh, two quarterbacks where we thought it wasn't going to be very close at all. Um, Zach Wilson, who everyone had dumped on as basically being the worst quarterback, starting quarterback in the NFL. A lot of numbers would back that up, obviously. And then we've got like, you know, the pinnacle of quarterbacking in the NFL (laughs) in Patrick Mahomes. And then when they played the games, it just wasn't that way. This was probably the worst I've seen Patrick Mahomes play in a long time long time and clearly it was the best we've seen Zach Wilson play maybe in his entire NFL career yeah um obviously that's true for for Zach Wilson you know just because you brought up Mahomes I mean I think it's kind of the worst we've seen him play since a few weeks ago when we opened the season (laughs) and he didn't play very well in week one I know like the receivers got a lot of flack obviously for drops right and you know that's a hundred percent true but there were definitely some throws that Mahomes turned down. There were some, you know, like he was a little too quick to get off reads in that first game. I mean, I think this is funny. I had this conversation with Chris Harris this morning. Um, you know, it's okay to say that through the first five weeks of, or yeah, yeah, we're going into week five now, the first four yeah. weeks of football, 
Patrick Mahomes is probably not playing. He's played poorly in two of four games. Um, I, I would say personally watching the games, it's okay to say that and just like, let it lie. You know, we don't have to be mm-hmm. like, so what does this mean for Mahomes' <laughs> legacy or like get all hot takey about it? Like, are the chiefs in trouble? Any of that type of stuff, right? We can just like, uh, okay. we're, we, we should be the type of show. And, you know, I said this on Harris's show, like the type of show too, where we just say, we can say those things and they can be true. And like, then that's yeah. it. Right. And, and again, yeah. we're talking on the Patrick Mahomes adjusted skill. He's still fourth in EPA per play. Uh-huh. Um, he's 10th in passing success rate so far, uh-huh. uh, completion uh-huh. percentage over expected. He's, you know, uh, sort of middle of the package, right? He's, he's 20th. Um, okay. So, that's saying that he's playing like a mere mortal when usually he doesn't. And I know there are obviously other things wrong with the chiefs offense. Like Travis Kelsey looks like a man who's coming back from a serious injury and turns 34, 34 in a couple of uh, days. Um, the receivers right. are not like nobody is stepping up and everybody looks like sub average at best. Uh, the offensive line has issues. I get that there are things that are working against Patrick Mahomes, but um, yeah, I think it's just, again, like it's okay to say he has played poorly in two of four games, it just probably doesn't mean anything long-term. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- I think that's probably right. You know, again, I, I don't know if he played, I don't know if he played poorly in week one. I hear what you're saying. He didn't play great. There, there's no question about it. Uh, his receivers, I think, let him down big time. But this game in particular, I thought some of these throws, my mm-hmm. God, what what are these throws that he's throwing? I mean, lobbing up just easy picks. I just I, I was confused by it all, man. Um, and and I don't know what your thought was on the Sauce Gardner penalty at the end of the game. But I, I personally thought it was a penalty. I know people were up in arms about it. I thought it was a penalty. Uh, but even that, if they didn't call that, let's say it's a 50-50 call, they didn't call it, that could have been another pick. Yeah, you know? So I don't know, man. He he just I was surprised by how poorly he played. Um, Jets got a great defense, obviously, but are there any takeaways maybe, you know, long-term wise in regards to the Jets in regards to Zach Wilson, because he played a pretty good game. Although I did find it very humorous. Uh, People were, you know, uh, look, he played the best game that he's played in a long time, uh, maybe in his career ever because he's such a bad quarterback, but I'm just saying some of the highlights that they threw out there, Matt, that were really interesting. It's like, He's throwing late. He's throwing behind. He's throwing, you know, but it's his receivers that absolutely made great adjustments to the ball. Um, you know, he's throwing to tight window coverage. Again, guys just making plays for him, man, where I don't even know if the, the highlight montage was really a highlight montage for him so much as it was a highlight montage for his receivers making great plays. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think what was different about Zach Wilson usually is that he is, he was given it like given those guys chances and he was putting it like, this is, we're not going to talk about Desmond Ritter, but this is something that drives me crazy about Desmond Ritter. And they talked about this, like, you know, Orlovsky and Riddick during that London broadcast, they kept saying like, he just needs to fire it downfield to, to Drake London. He just needs to like fire, give these contested catch guys a chance. It's like, yeah, well he can't do that because he never places it right. Like, people talk about contested catch receivers like well just throw it up down there he'll go get it it's like no you have to be like think about joe burrow we'll talk about we definitely Uh talk about the Bengals later you know burrow when he's healthy can throw it up to contested receivers but not just in a like i know the the meme is like oh f it jamar's down there somewhere but that's not really just how it is you've got to have good ball placement on those downfield contested throws give your receiver a chance 
Uh, Desmond Ritter does not do that. Zach Wilson was doing it on Sunday night. Um, I did get a really good laugh out of um, uh, Mina Kimes posted this during the during the broadcast. Like Chris, she said Chris is t- Chris Chris Collinsworth is talking about Zach Wilson the way I used to talk about my dog right after we adopted him. True, he ate our sneakers, peed on the carpet, nipped me, but he didn't break skin. Uh, anybody that is a dog owner, uh, like like I am, anybody that is, uh, especially I adopted a rescue dog, totally feels that right there. Like yeah, right. that was how yeah, just, you're gonna, he should never be going past the second look equals. That was our fault for bringing him to the dog park. It was way too chaotic there. Yeah, that I, I felt that right. That was that was so true. Um, but after oh that, God. though, after that early sequence, when um, they were like, he was talking about Zach Wilson in such an insane way of like, dude, man, the bar is literally the floor here uh, for this yes. guy to just like, right. which is true. Like if Zach Wilson goes out there and doesn't actively piss his pants, it's an improvement over what he's usually doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say though, the drive to end the half and then the drive, the first drive out of the third quarter, I really did think in those two drives, Wilson was like legitimately white hot. He was playing with a lot yeah, of confidence he and he was, mm-hmm. and he was ripping it. We are talking about a handful of drives here over the course of the game. And and to, right. to Zach's credit, and again, the bar is literally the floor here, he took responsibility after the game for the fumble and said, like, in that moment, I can't make that mistake. Like, to fumble a snap is just – which, by the like, that's a huge improvement from what we saw last year when after the game he's like, yeah, not my fault or whatever, you know, that, right. that originally started the whole is the locker room turning on him. I, I normally don't buy into, like – the the confidence stuff like all right can he ride this momentum but for a player like zach specifically who has been so um down 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 bad bad yeah really down (laughs) Down bad bad. and like his teammates publicly (laughs) ready to like incite a mutiny against him the fact that guys like alan lazard and randall cobb and um, you know, some of the other guys are there after like just really trying to build him up at the end of that game. I do think that does matter for him. So again, the bar is literally the floor, we're, but we're hoping that he can maybe clear that bar just so that this offense can be functional. I'll say this, James, if he is riding hot on momentum here and maybe uh-huh. he's not because the end of that game he gets to face the Broncos next week and like looking good. Uh, yeah. The Broncos are looking anything but good defensively. That might be right. – I know this is hot takey, but that might be the worst defense I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> it might be – it might legitimately be the worst defense <laughs> I, I've ever seen. I mean, are we – did you did you not remember what Chicago looked like for the first three weeks of the season? I mean, they were horrendous, my friend. Well, yeah, at least they didn't let up 70 points. I mean, yeah, that's I – That's a good point. That's a good point. They let up 70 points in an NFL yeah. game, and yeah, then like they let it's Justin Fields throw four touchdowns, and I'm not even sure which is worse. Uh, <laughs> and it just, it, I'm just talking from like an assignment perspective. Like nobody yeah. seems to be like aware of what they're supposed to be doing in the secondary, which is crazy because you know Vance Joseph is like coached forever in the league, but I know. Um, I, yeah, it's it's a team that has a. It's weird because sometimes you t- see these teams that. Um, like in Minnesota now, I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but you see these teams sometimes like Minnesota's doing this with Brian Flores. We're like, yeah, we don't have a lot of talent over here. Yeah. So like, uh-huh. let's just throw the MF and kitchen sink at quarterbacks yep. and just blitz the shit out of them and see if that works. And you know, it usually it's, it's very live by the sword, die by the sword. Weirdly, Denver like kind of does the same thing, uh, but they have talent at least some levels. And it, it's like weirdly working against them in some kind of strange cosmic way. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean obviously they've got major holes. Um 
everywhere on the defense. But you're right. They do have some stars and that you usually bodes well. Um, so a little bit, um, a little bit confused as to why they're playing so poorly, man. Uh, it doesn't seem like the team Denver that is, uh, is playing for, for anything. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like they're not playing for their quarterback. They're not playing for their coach. They're not, like, you know, like what's the motivation here for mm-hmm. Denver? Uh, it just doesn't seem like a very, um, motivated unit by any stretch of the magic. And this is on both sides of the football, by the way, very quietly, Sean Payton actually has resurrected the offense. Like the offense. Yeah. Is offense a very good. I think the offense is completely functional offense and pretty good. It's just that now their defense is maybe, as you mentioned, maybe the worst in the NFL, right? So it's very strange. Um, it's, it's almost like trying to nail jello to the wall, man. Like they, they, they got this piece now and then everything else is sliding down. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. It's pretty, it's, it's wild stuff there in Denver. And and by the way, by the way, they still need to get Marvin Mims more snaps. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Okay. They need yeah. to get more snaps, more routes run. I mean, it's getting a little ridiculous now. Um, but yeah. Okay. I'll ask you this long term in regards to the Jets. Is there a, I don't know, like a road to recovery here for the Jets offense? I mean, is it, you know, Zach Wilson to, to Garrett Wilson uh, was a thing. I mean, obviously he absolutely, completely, absolutely missed on a wide open touchdown throw. Uh, but that's fine. You know, it, it happens in the NFL, it's gonna happen. but is there a road to recovery here for the Jets offense? Uh, I would say there's a road to something close to respectability. Um, recovery is, I mean, it's tough to say because they're not going to be what they were with Aaron Rodgers ever. Uh, and they well, still clear. have, yeah, they right. still have rather big flaws b- beyond Wilson. Like it's funny. We do this thing with quarterbacks where, and I and I know I've made this joke with Andy Barons before because he's made this point about the Bears where he's like every you know two two to three years into a staff it's like is it the coach is it the quarterback is it the players mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. we do this with quarterbacks all the time where it's like yeah Zach Wilson's playing poorly but there are other problems in the offense it's like okay he can still be playing poorly and there can still be other problems in the offense he's, <laughs> both things can be true here <laughs> generally in sports like we have seemed to just always want to avoid the fact that yeah both things can be true and, and I think that really is the case here in New York because it's absolutely true that that offensive line is uh, was bad coming into the year and now is yeah. worse because of injuries right. um, it's absolutely true that Brees Hall like Going downhill, he can still get going downhill. Like if he gets a crease, you know, and there, and he just has to go north south, he can still pop. But anytime he's got to go laterally, it's like, yeah, that looks like a dude coming back from an ACL injury. Um, and Dalvin Cook, like I just don't even know what the point of Dalvin Cook was at this stage. Like right. every, and they're still mixing in Michael Carter, so it's not like their run game is going to be. Yeah, it's not like their run game is ever really going to pop. And and again, even when we thought it was going to be Aaron Rodgers, it's like, yeah, they have Garrett Wilson, but the rest of these guys are not necessarily needle movers. They're fine NFL players, but Alan Lazar is not a needle mover. Like Tyler Conklin is not a needle mover. So it's not as if everything is right around Zach Wilson and just, man, if Wilson could just be league average, this offense is going to pop. I think purely the only thing that anybody cares about with the Jets offense, besides I mean, Jets fans obviously want them to win games. Yeah. I mean, obviously, from a fantasy standpoint, people just want Zach Wilson to be functional so that Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall can be usable. And I think uh-huh. that there is a, there is a road to recovery for that. And there is <laughs> okay. a road to recovery. for There is a road to respectability with this Jets offense. It's just you got to see a guy like Zach Wilson stack 
games and stack performances before you get yeah, there. Yeah, I'm I am of the mindset that uh we are all hot and bothered right now because it was an island game, it was a very high profile game against the world champs. You know, Patrick Mahomes is in the building. We got Aaron Rodgers is in the building. Taylor Swift is in the building. High profile game, right? One of the most watched games uh, of the year. And Zach Wilson didn't puke all over himself, right? So good. Uh, good on him. 105 passer rating, 72% completion rate. Really good stuff, you know, for Zach Wilson. Um, and again, I think he played probably his best game as a professional. Okay. Now, that being said, we have multiple years of game tape telling us that this is not going to, we're not going to ride this train, baby. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I would be surprised. I would be really, really surprised if the jets move forward and actually build on this win. I would, me personally, I would be very surprised. Um, And again, you talk about, I talk about utilization all the time, you know, but it's like, I don't understand the running back room. You know, is Brees Hall still recovering? That's why they're trying to work in Michael Carter. Is Dalvin Cook cooked? Is that why they're working in Michael Carter? I don't know. Brees Hall played 45% of the snaps. Michael Carter played 30% and Dalvin Cook played 25%. Right. So what are we doing here with the, with the running back snaps? And then all of a sudden it's like everyone with the Jets uniform that is eligible to catch a ball can catch a ball now. <laughs> I mean, they had all kinds of dudes running routes out here. Uh, Matt Harmon. I mean, yeah, Jeremy Ruckert. Is running routes, Xavier Gibson running routes, CJ Uzoma catching a touchdown. What the hell's happening? They're just throwing, to me, it felt like, you know what? Desperation. We're playing the world champs. Let's just throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. And luckily for them, some stuff did stick in this game against Kansas City. So uh, to me, it was a, a completely different approach to what they normally do. They were spreading it out. Just a, 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 I mean, just everyone's involved. Everyone get in. Everyone get involved and let's ride and let's just see what happens. And luckily for them, I mean, they still lost, but I mean, it was like, I, this is as, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. This is as good lost. of a loss as you could have, though. You know what I mean? It's as good of a loss as you could have. Am I wrong? I don't know, man. Uh, you know, the way it went down with the refs and stuff like that and and how pissed off. I don't know if Robert Sala is going to survive this. Like, and I'm not even talking like, are they going to fire him? I mean, is he going to be able to live through this? Um, <laughs> He's got to run a couple more stairs, dude. He'll be fine. I don't know. Every time they cut to him on the sideline, I'm like, damn, this this dude is in a dark place, my guy. (laughs) Um, So I am a little concerned Uh, (laughs) about Robert Sala's well-being. But um, yeah, I I guess it's it's as good of a loss as you can can hope for. It just sucks. Uh, Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations as you know baseball's been my life it's been in the family for a long time but it's a lot more than that here it's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track join me every week for multiple episodes on the brett boone podcast available on the odyssey app wherever you get your podcasts hey rob bradford here i have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what i have known for some time baseball isn't boring now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
I'll tell you what was not a good loss, and that was the Bengals' loss to the Titans. Holy good God, Oof. what the hell happened uh, with Cincinnati? All right, well, T. Higgins did get hurt, uh, potentially fractured some ribs there. Um, he doesn't want to miss any time, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he misses. I, I think he'll end up missing a couple of weeks just you know, for the health of the team or whatever it is. Okay, but uh, the question remains. So I don't know if you saw the opening, you know, first couple of drives. They had some very clear objectives they were trying to get done, scripted plays, plays that we don't really see from the Bengals offense. And a lot of it was to protect Joe Burrow in my mind um, so that he didn't have to sit back there and just eat it. Right. So uh, a lot of scripted plays early on, a lot of short stuff, bubble screens, those kind of things, getting their uh, ball out to their playmakers. I guess my question to you, Matt, just from an overall standpoint, because, again, the Bengals looked absolutely atrocious. Um, is Joe Burrow hurting his team by playing? Because we know the calf injury is a major concern, and it seems clear to me right now that the Bengals cannot play their base offense with Joe Burrow in the condition he is at right now. I mean, I think the answer to this question is yes. Um, but I'm not blaming Joe Burrow for this because well, clearly, yeah, 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 yeah. Players, players play. Like, I mean, that's that's the thing is like, if you give the guy the option and he can physically take the field, like you don't think there's a part of Aaron Rodgers that's watching that Jets game last night and they cut to him like shaking his head a couple of times. Like uh-huh. you don't think there's this like he if he was even if he wasn't on crutches, you don't think he's like thinking about taking the field, you know, like, right. I mean, I know he's not, but I'm saying like, that's how these guys are wired. That that's the way it goes at any position. Like I think as a coaching staff, the, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm pissed at the coaching staff because I think they needed to have a real hard look in the mirror and Mm -hmm. be like, look, you know, and, and I've brought this up many times, but the, the, the quote from Jamar Chase where he said, I, I don't want to see Joe until week right. five. Right. I mean, I've seen I've seen Joe Burrow for four games now. We're about to head into week five, and I haven't liked what I've seen either. Like if I'm mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, I'm thinking about I'm still thinking about that. But look, I think the reality is that this coaching staff, Zach Taylor and the guys, didn't want to imagine what life is like without Joe Burrow. But the crazy thing is, James, this is life without Joe Burrow, like what they're living right now. <laughs> Because I know uh-huh. that he is physically out there. Number nine is out there for the Bengals. But nothing that Joe Burrow is capable of doing right now is is what we believe out of Joe Burrow. I mean, you, you said it perfectly that they're trying to get it out quick. They're not asking him to improv in the pocket. By the way, he can't because he needs to behind this offensive line, which I don't know. I don't feel so great about that Orlando Brown signing that everybody like gave him a real round of applause for in the mm-hmm. offseason. And like um, they've improved their offensive line from like non-functional to uh, sub-league average. But when you have a yeah. sitting duck quarterback behind sub-league average, I mean, this Oy. is the reality of it. Like th- the Bengals are basically built like they're so specifically built as Joe Burrow's team, which is not mm-hmm. a, a crime because Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills are built to be Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills and Patrick Mahomes' Kansas City Chiefs are built. Like, this is what it looks like when you build the offense completely around a quarterback, but they're not like he's he's not that quarterback right now. So this is right. what it looks like. Um, you know, they can't run the ball. They're they're 21st in rushing success rate. I, I don't yards per carry truthers get out of here like with J- Joe Mixon's yards per carry from last game. Like give me a break. They're not like a <laughs> ground you into the dust type running game. This uh-huh. team is built to be um 
we have Jamar Chase, we have T. Higgins, we have Joe Burrow who can throw the ball down the field in perfect position for these guys and give them a chance. Um, but the current version of Joe Burrow is not that. It's a. Uh, it's really. It's tough to see right now. This. Uh, this Bengals offense operate because again, I just go back to they can't just run their base offense. I mean, this is they're trying to, you know, they're 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 trying to just you know smoke and mirrors right now. You know, just trying to get by. At least that's what they're trying to do, especially early on in that ball game. Which, by the way, it's funny <clears throat> because really, honestly, I know they um, they didn't put a lot of points up, but those first couple drives actually were relatively successful. They were moving the ball down the field uh, against a Tennessee secondary that is clearly bottom five in the NFL. I I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn by saying they're bottom five. I mean, you could make it uh, yeah, exactly right. Like you could make the argument that they're the worst in the NFL in terms of the overall secondary, right? Um, th- there's a lot of metrics that would suggest that there's certainly, you know, the, the, one of the two or three worst secondaries, uh, in the NFL, but we'll just say bottom five. Okay. So they were moving the ball downfield and they didn't convert into touchdowns, but they were able to move that ball. It didn't look that bad. So I guess the question for me remains like, okay, so the coaching staff actually had an idea of like, all right, well, this is how we're going to get around it. But then why did they abandon that? Right. Like, and I get it. They, you get down a little bit, uh, you get down some points and then you're like, you know, everyone's got a game plan until they get punched in the face. And that's what happened with the Bengals. They got punched in the face. They go back to doing what they normally do, which is they want to chuck it down the field, but they can't. Right. So you talked about uh, the receivers is Jamar Chase and T Higgins, by the way, made comments about Joe Burrow too. Right. Like, uh, yeah, if he needs to rest up, go ahead and rest up. Right. Everyone else, everyone else can step up and be that playmaker. Remember they had Will Greer. Back there as a, a practice squad quarterback, uh, he's a, a, a little bit more of a steady hand there, Matt. I, I wonder too because the Patriots signed away Will Greer from their from their practice squad. I wonder if that was a little bit of a roster management mistake too. Yeah, Jake Browning's on the roster too. He's like a you know former undrafted free agent in 2019, right? Um, they had they had Trevor Simeon in the offseason and they cut him. Ah, uh, that's he's on, right. Now, now he's on the Jets roster and. Um, again, I think that this team looked at it as like, we don't want to imagine what life is like without Joe Burrow. So we're just going to hope that giving him time in training camp, he's gonna be ready for week one. And he probably is telling them that he's ready for week one. Um, so just, you believe it, but that that's not Joe Burrow back there, right? Like it looks like Joe Burrow. It talks like Joe Burrow. It wears uh-huh. number nine, just like Joe Burrow, but that is not <laughs> Joe Burrow. And, not and like Joe that's, Burrow, dude. <laughs> and, and your point about the the scripted plays i mean yes yeah, scripted like cuz this is a I, this is a good offensive coaching staff um on balance and i think they've done a good job designing an offense and i think they probably look at it as like yeah look at our scripted plays like we can script around this current version of joe burrow and they probably right. can the problem is like your scripted plays are your first 15 you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more plays throughout the course of the game <laughs> than 15. Right. So once you get off that script and you're just calling within the flow of the game, that's when it suddenly starts crashing down and and you're watching it. And I mean, the look, it was I know they won Monday night against the Rams, but it was just as painful to watch that offense against the Rams. Sure. Like they had Jamar oh, the Chase defense doing, carried. I mean, yeah, the defense Stafford carried and Jamar was Chase absolutely- was awesome. Yeah, Jamar Chase was awesome. But, I mean, Stafford was under fire the entire time. He was taking huge hits. The defense absolutely carried that team in that win against the Rams, for sure. And that was only because the Rams lost uh, their starting left tackle in the middle of the game. And, you know, Trey Hendrickson just went to work. This defense actually on balance has been a little hit or miss so far this year. Um, So, 
I don't know. Bengals are just in trouble, man. And I think they're going to look back midway through the season and be like, yeah, I wish we had, I wish we had let Joe Burrow sit. Cause it's not as if the buy is this week, the buy is two weeks from now. And is the buy really going to be enough to suddenly get Joe Burrow back to, you know, I, I keep thinking about the quote from Sean McVay when it came to Cooper Cup when he was like, we don't want return to play. We want return to performance. Obviously, they've gotten return to play sort of from Joe Burrow. But when are they going to get return to performance? Is it going to just be after the bye week? By the way, after the bye week, they play the freaking 49ers, like not exactly a soft landing spot. Oh, to boy. Suddenly turn around <laughs> and just like, all right, let's run out oh, our boy. offense that we fixed. Yeah. No, I, I don't know, man. I, I I'm I think panic is advised about the Bengals at this point and they could be looking at like a lost season here especially because this division is not a joke I mean we'll talk about the Steelers here later on that's a joke but the Ravens (laughs) the Ravens are good uh the Ravens not aren't even really firing on all cylinders offensively and they're so banged up but they're very good the Browns defense is one of the best units in the NFL Yep. You know, they, they started Dorian Thompson Robinson and like, okay, yeah, that rough week for day three rookie quarterback looks good in preseason. He will be, he will be good enough in the regular (laughs) season. Not a good week for that, that crowd. But yeah, ultimately this division is not, they can't just like screw around. This isn't the NFC South, right? This isn't the AFC South where you can just like, okay, maybe screw around a little bit and then moonwalk to a division title. Not the case in this division. All right, speaking of hurt quarterbacks, uh, we were not expecting Derek Carr to play when we saw him go down with an injury in week number three, but here he was in week number four. Um, And Matt, I I don't know, man, like you talk about performances and stuff. Derek Carr has not looked great uh, to start this season. He's had some highs, but he certainly had some lows here. Uh, And I thought week four, I, I couldn't tell if it was the injury, if it was just the game plan. I just couldn't really tell because the way he was throwing the ball, it was, it was fine. Him throwing the ball. He didn't look like he was compromised, uh, but the offense certainly did not look very good at all. Whether, however, Derek Carr has looked so far this year. And and yeah, I think he's looked whatever uh, to start the year. Like not great. There's been good moments. There's been typical old Derek Carr moments. I would say like, whatever you think about that, there's no question to me that he was playing like he shouldn't have been playing with that injury again, very similar mm-hmm. here to where, look, you got to admire Derek Carr for the toughness and, and he right. clearly like really cares uh, about, you know, this team and these guys and, and he's really bought in and all that stuff. Like that's great. But as a coach, you've got to sit there and be like, what are we doing here? You know, like mm-hmm. we have a capable backup in Jameis Winston. Absolutely. Like, look, Derek Carr avoided a, it's almost like, he avoided a major injury, but then like, why not give it a week just one week? Right? Like when he went down, I was like, Oh, he's out for the season. You know, he, he probably broke I his know. collarbone or whatever. And then yeah, he dodged right. that. But then I think coming back right away, you're almost like, okay, you, you got two steps forward to go or one step forward to go two steps back there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with mm-hmm. that approach to the injury. And again, you have a capable backup in James Winston. Carr, 6.9 air yards per attempt, 0.4 air yards per completion. Like, you can't tell me that he's a – I'm watching that game. Like, you can't tell me that's a guy that should be out there. James, Alvin Kamara – this is from J.J. Zacharias, and I saw this. And I think he got it from Stathead. Alvin Kamara had 13 catches 
for 33 yards. That's not only the <laughs> lowest yardage total in NFL history among players with 13 or more receptions, crazy. but it's yeah. the lowest yardage total in NFL history among players with 10 or more receptions. That's insane. Um, it was pathetic. I mean, that's pathetic. Yeah. And uh, Alvin Kamara even said after the game, you know, we're going to have to have some tough conversations about what it's been like offensively here the last couple of years. Last couple of years is is, is a noted point from Kamara there. So, um, yeah, I, I feel pretty similarly about this as I did with the Bengals one that this is on um, this is on the coaching staff to, to sit there and say, like, um, you know, this guy sh- probably shouldn't be shouldn't be out there. I mean, look, I, nobody wants to give Deshaun Watson any props and, and I don't either. But, you know, apparently he was medically cleared to play on Sunday, mm-hmm. but didn't want to didn't want to be out. there. I mean, look, Dorian Thompson Robinson was terrible, too, but um, I'm not giving Watson credit or anything. But sometimes like, yeah, even if you're close to like you could play, you're not going to be out there at your best and you could end up hurting the team. And, and I think that's what we saw with both Joe Burrow and Derek Carr. I wonder if I wonder if Watson hurt um, the team anyways, because again, how much I look at DTR and I say to myself, how much practice time did this guy get with the ones? Um, you know, yeah, maybe he got some, <laughs> maybe he got some, I would, I would imagine he got almost none though. Right. Maybe he did get some though. So again, we're not there. We don't know. Uh, but I do wonder if he was fully prepared and brought up to speed by playing with the ones um, because I don't know. I, I thought he looked fine that first quarter. And then after that, he just absolutely fell apart, you know? Um, and maybe that was because again, you get punched in the mouth and you know, you just you try to go back to do what you're comfortable doing and not get off the, the script plan. Yeah. Get off that script. You know what I'm saying? I thought he looked fine that first quarter. And then after that, just woo. Okay. See you later. Um, and, and that was obviously not great, man. In regards to the, to the saints, it's got to be really interesting um, to be in New Orleans right now because I know I'm not alone in thinking like this is actually a pretty talented offensive unit, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about Alave, a budding superstar. Michael Thomas, a steady hand uh, in terms of an inside wide receiver. You've got an electric outside player, secondary player in Rashid Shahid. Uh, and then again, then you've got your, you know, your full complement of running backs too, Kendra Miller, who's run really hard. You've got Alvin Kamara there as well. I mean, bro, this is not a, a an empty cupboard here. This is not a, a bare-bones operation. They've got some guys, and this offense, especially yesterday against Tampa Bay, looked, I mean, just terrible, man. So there's a lot to be to, to be said about the coaching staff. And, and um, by the way, fire, fire Pete Carmichael was actually trending on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it yesterday. That's how bad it was. Um, that's how bad the offensive performance was there in new Orleans. So I'm, I'm not that surprised, um, that even Alvin Kamara is is pretty unhappy with, uh, with the usage, by the way, speaking of Alvin Kamara, um, I was saying this last year, but they keep running Alvin Kamara between the tackles. Like let this man who I say runs like flowing water because he finds the crack and he goes, can we let this man run to the outside a little bit, right? This is what they did under Sean Payton. They ran to the outside quite a bit and let Kamara use his speed and his vision and his cutback ability. Right now, they're just running Alvin Kamara and all their running backs like just your st- standard, typical battering ram right up the middle. It just, the usage doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you mentioned the Pete Carmichael thing. It's weird because Carmichael was there like the entire Saints run with Sean Payton. I know. 
And this offense couldn't like, just doesn't look anything like that. Um, you know, they don't use a lot of like play action. They don't use, yeah, a lot where's of, the like, shot plays, right? There's no shot plays. I mean, Carr eventually, like he'll eventually uncork one to Rashid Shahid, like late in the fourth quarter. Right. Um, you know, they don't get any, they like, Chris Olave, I harped on this a lot in the offseason with his reception perception profile. They don't get him like any layups. They've done a little bit of a better job with it this year, um, yeah. but not enough on Sunday, right? Like throwing 13 passes to your running back. or Well, f- he's catching for 13. I think they threw 14 at him. So um, i not very impressed with what I've seen out of the Saints uh, offensive coaching staff so far. Um, I wonder if it's just a Dennis Allen thing, you know, typical defensive head coach. Yep. Like I want to run the ball and grind it out yep. and all that stuff, which is crazy. Cause I mean, Dennis Allen is a great defensive coach and that saints defense remains a very, very, very good unit. Um, I don't know. I think that, um, really interesting to see what happens the rest of the way. And, and maybe we get a better version of Carr, and this team gets back on track, but, um, you know, the bucks are the team right now that looks the best in the NFC South. And I did not think I'd be saying that. Um, four weeks into the season, you talk about the 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 floor being the bar. I mean, that's <laughs> that might be what it is for the NFC South, man. I mean, I I really thought the Saints would kind of run away with the NFC South. I'm not going to lie. You know, we knew we knew Carolina was going to be not so great. You know, they they were bereft oh, of, of much God. talent. Don't even get we, me, don't even get me started on on the freaking Panthers. <laughs> Every week that goes by, man, like Houston's looking nice. Carolina, not so much. I'm just saying. It's just every week that goes by, man, that 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 gulf widens. I'm just saying, man. Uh pretty crazy stuff. Hey, you I, know what? I um, wish I wish I could talk on this podcast like what I really, really like 90% know with confidence about the Panthers, but I it's just I can't. I'll, not only is it too painful, but I just can't. Like, it's, okay, it's, there you go. It's rough. That's fine. Maybe some. Maybe someday. <laughs> in the, if it if it ends up playing out the way I think it's going to play out, oh, I'll man. tell you that I was right when it happens. Which is the okay. worst thing to say as an analyst, but of course, I'll tell absolutely. James that I'm right. There you go. <laughs> if it Over plays out the beers, if it plays go. out the way I think it like everything is going to play out with this team and the way it is playing out right now, I'll just I'll just I'll let you know that that was what what was that it was true. I don't know. All right. I Terrible analysis. Um, hey, by the way, we, we weren't planning. We weren't planning on talking about this, but can we have a conversation about Baker Mayfield? I mean, honestly, Matt, can we, can we have a conversation about Baker? At this point, before we, before we get into the Baker Mayfield thing, just, yeah, I think I'm pitching a topic for next episode because okay. uh, I, I actually do want to have a conversation about Baker Mayfield. I think next episode let's do, cause we'll talk about the Steelers here in a minute. And that's what yeah. got me thinking about this. Let's next episode. We should do like a take Mulligan or like a like a, a redo on like offenses that I want a full sure. redo on. Okay, great. Sounds good. And the Bucks are going to be on the list. So sa- okay, so let's good. let's let's save it because I think we'll save I, that. I got okay, some, we'll I got some that. things to say about the Bucks. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, we'll we're simpatico there then. Okay, that's great. Uh, Justin Herbert broken finger, non throwing hand. Um, again, Austin Eckler sounds like he's really close to returning. He was questionable. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess he was doubtful, wasn't he? Uh, either way, it sounds like he's very, very close. Your your podcast mate, very, very close uh, to returning to the Chargers. But Herbert breaking his finger now, uh, you talk about them having to, to figure out stuff on the fly. Uh, again, can't go under center, uh, having to go everything out of shotgun, which Honestly, Matt, that might not actually be the <laughs> that might not, not actually be the worst thing in the whole world here uh, for Justin Herbert, um, who uh, I think 
could benefit actually uh, playing a lot of shotgun snaps here. Uh, but again, broken finger, non-throwing hand. They did have to ch- change up the offense on the fly. Your thoughts on the Chargers kind of moving forward. What were your takeaways there from week number four? Did you see uh, Justin Herbert say after the game, um, they asked him about his, uh, his, his injury and he said, it is but a flesh wound. And somebody had so, somebody asked him, "Is that just <laughs> it, is it a flesh wound or is that a Monty Python joke?" And he's like, "Oh no, it's just a Monty Python joke." Um, I say this after like having met Justin and, and spending some time. That guy is like such a dork. Uh, yeah. And, like my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes of all time that any football player has ever said to me is when I, you know, talking to Justin Herbert, he goes, "Yeah, outside of football, I live a pretty boring life." He's just like the for I mean, at least he's doing commercials now. At least he's at yeah, least he's yeah, in like yeah, subway yeah. commercials and he's kind of like joking with Mahomes in the in the subway commercials. Um he's just such an interesting like like the king of the introverts, basically. He's like an introvert's like dream life. But you know what's funny is like they that was a knock against him. And that's why part of the reason yeah. why he slid, right? Was that uh, the the scam. Remember they uh, did is, the whole is he hard a natural leader? Year? They did the whole hard knocks that year, and like you never saw anything about Herbert, and he was Nothing. the like freaking sixth overall pick, and it's just because he's he's like boring, right? I mean, he said it himself; <laughs> he lives a pretty boring life, and you know they were all over to Rod Taylor in that, and he I mean he ended up getting his lungs punched in or whatever, oh, and, and it was unfortunate, but. But then at the same time, like, you remember, and again, we'll talk about the game here in a second, but like when um, Jared, when Jerry Tillery, uh, the former Chargers player, hit Herbert late out of bounds and mm-hmm. uh, in this game, and then everybody like swore that the entire Chargers bench emptied to like get go after Tillery right. for hitting Justin Herbert in like a senseless way. I saw a few people like saying like, oh, if you only knew like what the real story was. Um, with Tillery, so I'm curious. Maybe I'll ask ask mm. Austin about that. Um, but anyway, former teammate, former teammate, right? But, but again, the whole the whole Chargers bench empties. So I say that to say, like they um, they love Justin, like they love Herbert, like the natural leader stuff is is bogus. Uh, yeah. They, we have to suffer through so much nonsense in the draft cycle. I mean, look at CJ Stroud giving like an FU to the S2 test every single week. <laughs> I mean, just so much nonsense when it comes to the right. draft stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. Any, it's anyway, a, it's sorry. A, it's a long road. Yes. Yeah, but sorry. About, Charger, about, about, Chargers office. <laughs> about this game. Yeah. Sorry. About this game in particular. Um, I will say that, you know, I obviously think the injury affected them. I hated the way. Um, I mean, just, just hated the way that they, it's fine if you're going to do the fourth down stuff, Brandon Staley, but can you have like, maybe not the worst play call in the world set up (laughs) afterwards every Every single time, time, man. I mean, it is, it is so, it's so disappointing. Um, honestly, honestly on the fourth down stuff, like they should, he should just not even coach. He should just ask the offense. What do you guys want to do? And just, you call the play. You're fine. Like run an audible out there and just do whatever you're going to do. Because honestly, right. like that, it cannot be worse than whatever the hell Brandon Staley is going to call. It can't be. It absolutely. Yeah. Can't. And I know he's not the offensive coordinator, but still, uh, it's just always like the most uh, galaxy brain stuff. Uh, but oh, overall, yeah. the offense, I will say, I do come out of that game really concerned about the loss of Mike Williams. Really Same. concerned about the loss Same. of Mike Williams because they just don't have any verticality to the offense now. Um, and I think that's really concerning that 
teams can, can kind of put the roof back on the chargers that we saw last year. Um, because Josh Palmer is like a fine player, but like Justin had to throw a dime, a dime to dime. get it down the field, like an Absolute unbelievable throw dime. to Absolute get it to Josh Palmer dime. down the field. Good right. God. And yes. What we just talked about with these like contested catch receivers downfield, like Herbert can put it right where Mike Williams needs to go get it every single time. And, and Herbert can do that for these other guys, but they're not consistently going to do it. You know, Quinta Johnson just still doesn't look ready. Uh, they have their bye this week, so maybe they come out of the bye and they're looking, you know, and maybe he's looking different, right? We do see that mm-hmm. with rookies where they get the post-bye rookie bump, but this is awfully early in yeah. the year to be considering the post-bye rookie bump. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely concerned about that part of it because as good as Keenan Allen has played, as well as he's played to start this year, yeah, he's not going to be the guy that, that threatens defenses vertically. And they need, mm-hmm. in order to get that guy going in your offense, you need to open up the vertical passing game. And I'm, I'm concerned about that with the Chargers right now. Yeah, you take a look at uh, some of the usage. And and again, uh, some folks thought that, okay, here's Quentin Johnson's chance. He's going to you know explode here on the scene. And again, he just played about 50% of the offensive snaps. Josh Palmer actually led the way. Uh, with with uh, 89% of the offensive snaps. Darius Davis got into the mix. Uh, Keelan Doss got into the mix here. Uh, so it was, again, they just kind of try to throw everything out there to, to kind of fill that hole left behind by Mike Williams. You take a look at the total routes run, uh, and again, Josh Palmer, Keenan Allen, they run the most routes. Quentin Johnson right behind. Um, 25 routes apiece for Palmer and Allen, and then 20 routes for Quentin Johnston. Um, and then Gerald Everett's mixing in. Donald Parham is mixing in. They got some character named Stone Smart, who's a tight end, mixing in. They're just trying to get something, anything going here in the passing game. But none of these guys, as you mentioned, kind of offers any sort of consistent verticality in this offense. I'm a little bit concerned as well, especially now with the injury um, to, I know it's his non-throwing hand, but as we saw in this game against the Raiders, man, like, they had to change their offense quite a bit because they couldn't do a lot of the stuff under center. I, I'm laughing because I was thinking about um, Herbert kneeling and he couldn't take the snaps and under center. Get in the pistol or, or whatever. Right. So they were doing pistol and you know, like those negative four yard rushes. I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> like I'm talking to all my fantasy freaks and geeks out there. Like I know all the Herbert fans were like, bro. Like, what is happening? I've, uh, you, you lost an f- entire point plus on kneel downs from Justin Herbert because he had to take it from the pistol. Like, that is, that's interesting stuff there for the Chargers, man. So, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, um, they're going to have to figure some stuff out here. You know, not only are they missing Mike Williams, and now their star quarterbacks hurt too. You know what I mean? I thought there was a question in my mind as to maybe talking about the Steelers, but maybe we save that uh, for our next show. Uh, we can talk about some of those mulligans we want to take over again, but so that's fine. I want to close out the show here by talking about Dallas, though. Uh, I feel like we don't talk about Dallas's offense enough, I, and I know four games in now, their 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 defense has just been lights out, phenomenal for three of them. Uh, weird, you know, kind of game against Arizona. Obviously, they weren't taking Arizona very seriously, and they got bit. Right, so that's fine. But three games, the other three games, Dallas's defense has just been. I mean, about as suffocating as we've seen in a long time in the NFL. Pretty good stuff. But the offense, I don't know. It's kind of a middling unit. So I'll ask you this, Matt. Is it a kind of a mid offense or is it just that they're just getting by because this that's all they have to do? 
I think it's a pretty good offense. I would just say that we haven't totally seen them in like a super normal game script, right? Or at least in three of the four games we haven't. They didn't have to do much to beat the Giants in week one. That's for sure. They didn't have to do much to beat the Jets in week two. And this game against the Patriots, man. Oh, my God. It was disgusting. It was, <laughs> it, disgusting. was it was horrific. And it's not like it's an easy defense on the other side of it. And um, they definitely they got I think they got surprised by the Cardinals. I think yeah, they got they some, did. this is like a classic Cowboys thing to do is to get beat by an inferior team and then not just <laughs> come is. back to win, but <laughs> obliterate the team the next week. So the defense right. played great in this game against the Patriots. They were swarming. They clearly wanted to send like a message, right? I, I think that the offense has been fine. You know, there hasn't necessarily been that like signature performance yet. You know, Dak is right. seventh in EPA per play. Um, I think that Michael Gallup looks really good. Like people aren't really talking about Michael Gallup. Um, but I think he's played really well to start the season and, you know, Brandon cooks, Brandon cooks, like hasn't done much, you know, no, but he's nothing. right. He's done nothing. And, and he was a big acquisition for them, but I kind of never really bought the idea that like there was going to be this big gap between Michael Gallup and Brandon cooks. But I think Gallup has looked really good. Uh, he was a, I've always been a fan of his game, and I think last year he was just completely ruined by coming back too early from an ACL injury. I think CeeDee Lamb looks fantastic. Like He's yep. taken over games in spots. They just need to be a little bit better in the red zone. There was the, there was the one sequence early in the game where um, you know they had a tight end drop a pass. They had um, kind of like another funky play, and then like Tony Pollard and Dak like had a late handoff and – uh, oh, it was like a, it, the second play was like a low, super low percentage fade. Of course, I hate the, and I'm not never a fan of the fade. No, uh, and then like the play after that, it was like a weird little delayed handoff and they get tackled right at the goal line. So they do need to fix their red zone woes. Unfortunately, red zone woes are kind of a, a like not a, they're a feature, not a bug of the Mike McCarthy offense. So that is, <laughs> that is kind of a concern, but okay. overall I think the, there are enough. Play- and I think Jake, Fer- I don't know. What do you think about Jake Ferguson? Like, I think he's played oh, well come too. On, dude. You know me. I love Jake Ferguson. Come on now. Uh, I, like I said, I've been saying all off season and even last season I was watching him play. I'm like, yo, this guy gives me some baby Mark Andrews vibes. Okay. Like I love, I love Jake Ferguson. I think they've got a, a, a good collection of pass catchers there. Um, we talk about, you know, the chargers, maybe not having a, uh, maybe they have a good collection of guys, but they don't have enough variety, right? This is a, an offense that's got a plenty of variety, right? Like you've got CD lamb, uh, that can work that short intermediate area. And then you've got two guys in Brandon cooks and Michael Gallup that I think can give you some verticality. Um, and then Ferguson, I think is a, is a very capable pass catching tight end. So, yeah, no, I, I I like the offensive makeup of Dallas. I just wonder if, you know, I I haven't been impressed, you know, by what yeah. Dallas put on 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 the field yet offensively. And I just wonder, is that because of Mike McCarthy or is it because of game script? Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, where are we at in regards to to Dallas kind of measuring up? And I think you hit it right on the head. It's like it's such an incomplete right now because we just don't know because they've really been in in three blowouts and then their game against Arizona it just from top to bottom it looked like they weren't prepared for that game you know what I mean so I I can't believe we're you know almost a quarter into this season and we don't know what the Dallas Cowboys are (laughs) offensively as strange as that sounds 
Well, I'd say they're going to get a huge test this week, right, against the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, they're two similar teams, right, defensively. They can overwhelm you. They can take over a game defensively. Um, But there's one thing we know for sure. It's that San Francisco is the best offense in the league right now, I think, pretty comfortably. I feel good about saying that. Brock Purdy leads the NFL in passing success rate. Uh, he leads the NFL in EPA per dropback now after that Bills game or the Bills-Dolphins game. Uh, Tua has seeded the number one spot to Brock Purdy. Um, I think I saw yesterday Crazy. like his EPA per dropback was just one. Just like every time he dropped back, one point is added, uh, which is <laughs> – for people it's who don't nuts. understand EPA, I mean, yeah, congratulations yeah, yeah. for you for being a normal person. Right, uh, exactly. But like just every time you drop him back to have one EPA, that's just b- b- berserk, right? It's insane stuff. And I mean, obviously he's operating like a, a battleship there in San Francisco. There's so yep. much good going on there. But at the same time, man, I think Purdy's just pl- like played well, period, like full stop. Like no qualifiers needed. I think he's he's, he's played he's played good football. So I think this is a big test for Dallas because – like, yeah, you can overwhelm a game defensively. The 49ers can overwhelm a, de- a game defensively. Dallas does not have the collection of talent that San Francisco does. I would argue that nobody does. Uh, like, right. McCaffrey might literally, and I know we never do this with running backs, but McCaffrey might literally need to be in the MVP conversation. Um, just at like, he's been more like in terms of valuable, he is such a valuable player to the San Francisco 49ers. So they can outscore you, but Dallas has a decent collection of talent, not a collection of talent like the 49ers do, but right. They need to be able to have enough. They do. I think have enough players to have that type of game where they can win a game on their own. We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. You talk about the red zone stuff for Dak Prescott. Um, According to Next Gen Stats, in terms of total EPA, Dak Prescott has the second lowest total EPA uh, in the red zone, right? So um, Kirk Cousins is dead last, but uh, Dak Prescott is just ahead of Bryce Young. So to kind of give you an idea of how much this, um, the quarterback play has struggled uh, in Dallas, in particular in the red zone, minus 5.5 completion over expected, you know, uh, so that's not very good. Uh, and EPA per dropback is negative 0.33 again, where league average is um, negative 0.05. So not very good is Dak Prescott right now in the red zone. But I do think it's fair when they're talking about playing San Francisco if you're looking for advantages ever, anywhere, because I don't think they have a, an advantage at any particular spot. They, you know, San Francisco's got a better running back. They, they've got um, uh, their collection of wide receivers is better than the collection of wide receivers for Dallas. I think you, I would take George Kittle over, as much as I love Jake Ferguson. I'm going to take George Kittle yeah, sure. over Jake Ferguson, right? So where does Dallas have an advantage? You would think. And it should be Dak Prescott right. over Brock Purdy, right? So if the if Dallas is going to win this game and it's not their defense carrying, it's got to be because Dak Prescott outplays by a wide margin Brock Purdy because that's what's going to be required, I think, for Dallas to kind of sort of beat San Francisco. Again, and, and again, this is if it's not defensively where you know Dallas just wrecks San Francisco's game plan somehow. Yeah, totally. And again, this is a defense that can win a game on its own, which is so is. nice to have that type of defense. And right, 
if you have a great defense, you don't just like beat bad teams. You take bad teams and and like put them in a headlock all day. And that is what they oh, yeah. did to Mac Jones, man. I mean, Oosh. Bill Belichick said after the game, uh, he just didn't need to be out there anymore for Mac Jones. Like it wasn't as if they benched him because like, oh yeah, maybe they think Bailey Zappi gives them a better chance to win. They cut Bailey Zappi in the summer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't anything like, oh yeah, we're, we're, this is a quarterback controversy now, but yeah, it's just, at some point as a coach, you think these are not beneficial reps for this player to have. Um, and, and that was certainly the, like Mac Jones at times, like I said, what the hell was he doing? Just like throwing across his body. I know. I know. Just, Bad these, picks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not beneficial reps. Like throw Bailey Zappi to the woods. Who cares? But Yo, uh, or to the wolves. You know what's crazy but, about this defense? This defense is so good. They they the three teams that they've beaten, they have forced those teams to have existential questions about their offense. Like that's how bad. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like when they played the Giants, all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe this Giants offense is horrible. Right. Like there was existential questions as to, you know, the offenses of the teams that they've played. Right. The Jets, too. Right. And now Yo, they, had, they had people questions. bringing up like Daniel Jones's cap hit like three out uh, th- 30 minutes into the first game. OK, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's how good this defense is. They're making team like entire fan bases question like existentially their offenses, man. Like that's how good this defense is in Dallas. I don't know what the hell happened in Arizona. It makes the Arizona thing just even crazier, right? And I know Josh Dobbs is playing really good football, uh, but man, that was talk about unexpected results uh, against Arizona. That's what we got there. That was crazy. That was weird, weird stuff. Um, anyways, all right. Our time does run short here. Um, we appreciate everyone listening. If you guys would share our podcast with, with your friends and family, that'd be great. If you would, if you haven't, and again, if this, if you're new here, that's great. If you would subscribe to the podcast, that would be cool too. But understand this. If you don't want to listen to the entire podcast, I understand. We do a good job, obviously, of breaking it all up. But you could find a lot of po- uh, uh, portions of our podcast on our various Instagram accounts and our YouTube accounts as well. Go find Matt Harmon on Instagram and YouTube, and you will be off and running. All right, that's it for the show, man. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Kell. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. All right, please.